You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Welcome back to the Paracast. Chris O'Brien is not here this week. And there's a specific reason for that, and I'll give it to you. Now, to give you a background, three years ago on the Paracast, we featured Chris's brother, Brendan O'Brien, and his girlfriend, Johnny. And they together ran a business called Maya Sites Travel Services. In fact, we liked it so much, and I was trying to help out Chris's brother, I decided to host their site on our server. Well, in any case, Brendan was a smart, personable guy. I didn't know him very well. I was in touch with him occasionally. And then I learned a few weeks ago, as Chris has expressed on the PowerCast, that Brendan was diagnosed with cancer of the esophagus. And over a period of three weeks, he received chemo treatment. It seemed, I guess, for a time that he was making progress. And then his prognosis became worse. Brendan O'Brien died on the 23rd of March. And so we send out our condolences to Johnny and his stepdaughter, and of course to Chris. And we're sorry for his loss. And Chris will tell us more when he returns about his brother Brendan, on whom he relied a lot, obviously, for friendship and for advice. Brendan O'Brien. This week on the PowerCast, we have a guest co-host, someone who's been on the show before, Kurt Collins, whom some of you know from our forums as Sentry. He has been presented here as an expert on the Cash Landrum case, but he's also, I guess, the moderator or chief cook and bottle washer of JimMosley.com. That's a site that I established shortly after Jim Mosley, our favorite court jester, died of, by the way, cancer of the esophagus. So he's been running this site ever since. And before we get on with our discussions and everything, Kurt, first of all, welcome back to the show. Thank you. About JimMosley.com, why did you decide you wanted to take it over? There was a void, and uh, I, I definitely wanted to see Jim remembered. And there, there were so many things that, um, that he never got around to, to writing about, and a lot of people didn't, didn't recognize his accomplishments, uh, you know, his, his reputations for a court gesture, ufology, as you say, and he did like to stir up controversy and, and poke some fun, but he also had a lot of uh, serious accomplishments along the way. You know, I know everyone's familiar with the, his work with uh, George Adamski exposing him, but even if sometimes it was just a matter of being a gossip columnist, he was uh, always on top of what was going on and really did a great job of, of keeping up with the events in ufology and, and, in a sense, served as a social historian. So, uh, anyway, I liked uh, Jim quite a bit, and I just definitely want to see his efforts remembered and his work recognized. It's JimMosley.com. Pay a visit. You will see some of his writings. You will see biographies of him. You'll learn about the crazy stunts he pulled, but also about the very good work he did in the UFO field. And he was useful at times when the field was just kind of dead. Things weren't happening. And he pulled some of these stunts with his friend, the late Gray Barker, quite often just to keep the subject alive. And we could look at it later on and say, you know what? What right did he have to perpetrate these hoaxes? Didn't he kind of muddy the waters? And the answer is yes, he did. But he also did a lot of good work. He also provided social commentary. And he also made us question things we said. He poked holes in a lot of the things that people said and did in the UFO field. 
the site is jimmosley.com, jimmosley.com. And there's a contact thing there if you want to get in touch with Kurt or you have suggestions about how the site should run, what kind of content you'd like. He'd be glad to hear from you and keep things up. Absolutely. And should anyone happen to have any uh, great photos, particularly him with his uh, friend uh, Carl Flock, we'd love to have those on the site. There's, there's lots of gaps in the, the history of the UFO conventions that uh, he put on. And uh, like like to have some more coverage of that. So, yeah, I'd appreciate hearing from anyone on that. Now, for many years, Jim was the permanent chairman of the National UFO Conference. It was first established back in the mid-60s by a couple of guys, late teens, such as Rick Hilberg and Alan Greenfield. And I was a member of their organizing crew. And Jim got very close to everyone, and they made him permanent chairman, and he kept running it. In fact, in 1967, one of the biggest UFO events up to that time occurred in New York City, the National UFO Conference. I sponsored one, by the way, in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania in 1975, my first and last attempt. So I guess we're going to have remembrances because this year there's supposed to be a reunion later this year of people who were involved in the National UFO Conference. I think that's going to happen in Cleveland. That's right. Uh, and it's, uh, it looks to be a, a more of an informal get-together rather than a rigid, structured conference. So it's really a chance to, to get to know the people and share memories and things like that. I hope to be able to attend. But, you know, I definitely, anyone that's in the area and interested in UFO history, this is a chance to meet some uh, uh, living legends. Or almost living legends, depending on your point of view. Right. I might go there... I might not. I'm really on the fence about it right now. We'll take a look and see. I might have to get a donation for a plane ticket if I go, but we'll see. We'll make a decision later on. That's a national UFO conference. All this stuff you can look up in Google. All right. So if you want to find out what it's all about, you could do it that way. Let's focus a little bit about what's going to happen here in just a few moments. Now, sometime back, we featured James Carrion who is a former international director of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON. And he had written a book called The Rosetta Deception, which made the point that the ghost rocket cases of the mid-1940s were largely counterintelligence activities in part to spook the Russians, that sort of thing. And he told us at the time he's working on the Roswell case. Now, since then, he had a run-in with MUFON that I'm going to ask him about. Also, supposedly, the book itself, which is now available free, and he'll tell you where to get a copy, he has revised that book with more material. So we're certainly interested in that, and we're certainly interested in asking him about his new book, The Roswell Deception. The title obviously conveys the impression of what he thinks about Roswell. And this comes at an interesting time because of the Roswell slides, this story that they found these two slides in an old home in Arizona near Sedona. Why is it always Sedona? And they supposedly depict what might be, I say might be, an alien being. Kurt, have you followed this Roswell Slides stuff? More than I would uh, like to admit, but yes, Uh-oh. I have. For quite a long time, I was uh, just keeping up with, the, with what little news leaked out about it and started uh, having a conversation with some friends and we uh, just started trying to dig up the information on it and have sort of become a, a little investigative team of our own trying to, to check out the because there's a, num- a number of claims. Uh, it just seems like the story is um, was so sketchy. Without Roswell, it, it falls apart. 
it's almost like the circular logic of, you know, a four-year-old say, well, because, because. They found slides of a body. Well, it must be a Roswell alien. Couldn't be from another spacecraft. I mean, there's just, there's so many um, connections that have been made that that seem to be speculative, uh, imaginative, maybe wishful thinking. It just seems unsupported by evidence. And, well, we can talk about the body, too, but um, what, what's your take on it so far? My take on it is if you really have a story to tell, do what Apple Incorporated does, which is don't tell anything, don't say anything until you have the information to present. Apple doesn't tell you about their new products unless they have something to demonstrate or it fits with their marketing proposal, which is sometimes a new product in a new category comes out and they present it six months earlier. Otherwise, when they're ready to release it or almost, then you tell. But right now, we're getting all this preliminary nonsense touting what this is all about. And we haven't seen anything yet. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to be behind the curtain. Pay for this session in Mexico City. Go to Mexico City to see what's going on. I don't know. I'm still skeptical. I think they're trying to sell it too much. It's what we call in the computer business vaporware. In any case... We have James Carrion coming up next with Gene Steinberg and Kurt Collins with Gene. And with Kurt, you're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, Now, just imagine there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial, just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Extend your life with Extendovite. Here is what one doctor has to say about Extendovite. I would like to thank you, Don, for making my job so much easier because your products just make it so simple, right? To fool around with a lot of exotic things that don't work. We can just put them on your product and things start to work almost right away. I've had dozens and dozens of patients with uh, heart problems who have corrected them. And what it's doing, there's so much garlic in there that has a yeast-killing effect. The yeast is a big problem in the gut, pushes the liver heart. It also has metal chelating effect. And most of the other herbs in there I find that strengthen the arteries. They help to neutralize free radicals. Your ram- close to what we do in our program as you can get as far as one supplement goes. It's working on the the gut, it's working on the liver, it's working on the arteries. What more can you ask for? To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So this week, we have Kurt Collins joining us as our guest co-host. Chris O'Brien is mourning the passing of his brother, Brendan O'Brien. He'll be back next week. Let me tell you, before we continue with our guest, James Carrion, we have a place we want you to visit. It's called plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S.theparacast.com. And that's where you learn more about our premium service, Paracast Plus. And we offer a couple of things right now. We offer After the Paracast, which is kind of an extension to this show where we do color commentary and talk about a lot of other things. So we give that free to subscribers to the Paracast Plus. It's the only way to get a copy. We also offer a special version of the show, higher quality audio with 41 minutes of those network ads taken out. So those of you who say, get rid of the ads, well, you know, they're needed in commercial radio. But if you want to be without the ads, you could get Paracast Plus for a modest monthly or annual subscription rate. And we're also giving away one more thing, one more thing, and that is the ebook copy of Chris O'Brien's Stalking the Tricksters was sent to you if you subscribe for one year or five years, plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Now, not so long ago, we had a very exciting interview with James Carrion, who's been a longtime researcher into UFOs, about his book called The Rosetta Deception. 
about counterintelligence activities related to the ghost rockets of the 1940s. And for those of you who haven't followed what's going on here, because it's a very involved subject, James, welcome back to the Paracast. But please tell our listeners how you got involved in UFOs and how you became international director of MUFON. That's a story in itself. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on, Gene. You know, my history with ufology and UFOs goes back to a very young age. Uh, when I was 11 years old, my my mother actually subscribed to a number of tabloid magazines. And of course, front page news was aliens and flying saucers. And so, you know, that sort of sparked my interest. So I started clipping those articles and keeping them and trying to research as I was growing up. It wasn't until I moved to uh, Colorado, though, that I actually got involved with MUFON. And that was back in uh, 1996. I actually traveled down to Roswell, New Mexico for their anniversary in 97. That's where I first saw Stanton Friedman speak, for example. So, you know, early on, I had this this real keen interest in the field and the subject. And fortunately, MUFON moved to uh, Denver. And uh, I got to know John Schusler and volunteered at the office down there. Uh, and eventually uh, ended up on their board of directors before I was elected as the uh, MUFON National Director in 2006. Now, I wanted to clarify that. So the process of becoming director of MUFON was democratic in the sense that the board would elect that person. Is that true now? Honestly, I can't tell you what the election process is right now. Uh, It was democratic uh, back when um, I was elected. Uh, It probably is as as now it is now as well. I'm not I'm not really sure. Okay, obviously, you had a falling out. At one point, you were no longer director. What happened? So actually, I had already made the decision to leave MUFON. I had given them notice uh, that I would soon be leaving because I had other interests to pursue, including the research that I've done. And uh, so it was actually at the end of my term, but it was also at the same time that MUFON had the, a contract with uh, Bigelow Aerospace. And uh, after I found some disturbing things about that relationship uh, and about uh, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch out in Utah, and I voiced my concerns to the board and about where what the funding sources were, uh, you know, where, where Bigelow was getting the money that was passing into MUFON's hands, uh, the board elected to go behind my back and to try to smooth things over with Bigelow. And when I found out about that, I resigned immediately. Now, what were your concerns? My, my concerns were that you know Bigelow Aerospace claims that they were interested in ufology and in UFOs to try to exploit it uh, in terms of aerospace technology. Uh, they were looking to investigate the subject to figure out if they could somehow come up with some crazy new propulsion system, for example, based on observations or, or, or the investigation. So they hired MUFON to go out and do these investigations for them. There was a lot of money that was spent. And uh, the thing that sort of sort of worried me early on was that uh, Bigelow would never reveal where the funding came from. It wasn't his money. It wasn't, uh, or he claimed he had sponsors, but he would only be, he was only willing to reveal those sponsor names to John Schusler. So there was sort of this gatekeeper mentality already going in. Uh, and that worried me. But then when I went out to the Skinwalker Ranch and uh, tried to do some investigation of my own and was refused entry onto the ranch and then uh, talking with uh, some of the folks that worked on the ranch, uh, found out that there was a tie-in with the Bob Lazar story and some of the mythology that was coming out of Area 51 uh, being promoted by uh, some of the scientists involved with NIDS. Uh, All that together just sort of 
uh, crystallized for me that there was something more going on here, that there was uh, something that was not transparent, that was not honest. And, you know, when I voiced this to the, to the board and said, we need, really need to reconsider our relationship here, uh, they, they decided to go otherwise and, and follow the dollar. Is that what it's all about? Because there's now this Hangar One TV reality show. And I assume to use MUFON's name, they're getting a paycheck. Honestly, I don't know how much they're getting paid by History Channel. or uh, I'm, I don't think there's probably a large amount of money passing into MUFON's hands right now as because of the show. I think they're, they're probably using it more for PR advantage. Uh, the more they get their name out there, the more people see the name, the more people that join up as members and go to their conferences and buy their merchandise. So I think it's more for a PR strategy more than just uh, about uh, getting a paycheck from, from a cable channel. Now, in general, though, the Hangar One show has gotten miserable reviews because they're not presenting accurate information about UFOs. They're making things up. They have faked documents or they exaggerate things. So how do you get by claiming to be a responsible UFO research organization but then you allow this to have your name, to carry your name, to represent your image. Exactly. It's my point. Uh, I had a, actually an interesting discussion over Facebook with uh, one of their uh, in directors of investigation about this. And, you know, in the conversation, we were going back and forth about, okay, how much has Hangar One hurt MUFON's reputation? And this person, who I won't name, uh, basically said, oh, it hasn't hurt us at all. We're doing great. You know, we, we've got more interest from scientists than we've had in years. And, of course, when I press him for details, what scientists, uh, you know, I, I get this, oh, big name scientists, but they don't want to have their name revealed publicly because of the ridicule factor of UFOs. And the more I thought about that, I thought, wow, that's just a double standard. You know, how can you tell me you're not hurt by having, you know, such ridiculous shows that, that push mythology, but then you're telling me that you have science and corporations backing you that refuse to publicly reveal their names behind, you know, that support. That simply doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now, you also had tried to get involved in a dialogue on Facebook with MUFON, and it kind of shut you down. I'm going to ask you about that in our next segment. We have James Carrion. His current book is The Rosetta Deception, but a Roswell Deception's under construction. A lot more to come with Gene and our guest co-host, Kurt Collins. You're in The Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. G-C-N. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know.
Attention listeners, SurvivalLife.com is giving away free EverStrike permanent matches for a limited time only. These matches are waterproof and will light in any weather condition, rain, snow, or sleet. It will still throw a spark. Its built-in ferro rod strikes at 3,000 degrees, and it is good for 15,000 strikes. Normally, $15. Today, it's free. Get yours at FreeSurvivalLighter.com. Again, that's FreeSurvivalLighter.com. Hurry, supplies are limited. Visit FreeSurvivalLighter.com today. By now, you heard about Bitcoins. But did you know that over 65,000 businesses accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Because at BidBit.co, you can receive Bitcoin by selling your personal items or business products. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your products quickly, easily, and securely at BidBit.co. That's B-I-D-B-I-T.co. BidBit.co. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough now they're adding ammonia it's true some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply it's a disinfectant called chloramine but with a trusted big berkey water filter you can keep chloramine out of your water new nsf epa certified lab tests show epa berkey water filters remove chloramines pharmaceuticals bpa pesticides bacteria and viruses all forms of fluoride and much more Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Did you know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Kurt Collins is joining us as guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. We've got James Carrion here. His book is The Rosetta Deception. He's working on a Roswell book, but we're talking now about the problems of his past relationship with MUFON a former international director, actually former national director or international director. I get confused over the titles. International director. Okay. So what I heard here and what I saw is that you apparently were trying to set up a discussion in MUFON's Facebook account. And it's supposed to be an open discussion about UFOs, I gather, but they shut you down? Yeah. Let me let me tell you how it happened here. Um, uh, basically, I posted a message that said, 
uh, MUFON should really change their model. Uh, currently, their motto is the scientific investigation of UFOs for the benefit of humanity. And I thought, based on season one of Hangar One and and how poorly they've they've actually presented science uh, or ufology in terms of science, that they should change their model to the pseudoscientific investigation of UFOs for the benefit of Hollywood, because apparently the only one who's benefiting from Hangar One right now are is the audience, uh, History Channel audience, who who tend to flock to these shows looking for the mysterious. Uh, and looking for more, uh, you know, anything that's sensational. And and the thing that that really irks me about uh, shows like Hangar One or Ancient Aliens or any of these other shows out there that have a huge following, you end up, after watching one of these shows, having more uh, questions and answers. It's always that frustrating feeling of nothing ever got resolved here. I never really received any good information that told me what's going on. And And, and sadly enough, MUFON has decided to to follow in those footsteps. So the interesting thing is when I posted this message, it, it requires moderation and somebody has to actually approve before it gets posted to the forum. And lo and behold, it was approved uh, by one of the moderators. There, there's two main, main moderators on the forum. Well, the other moderator took exception to me posting and decided to confront me about it. And that tit for tat, which you can read online, basically ended up in, in having my post removed immediately. So I was basically censored on their forum. Did they say anything to you, or just did it behind the scenes? Oh no, it was it was uh, mid step. I was in. I was actually about to post a final message when Facebook aired out and said, "Oh, you can't post this message; it's no longer available." So it was removed uh, while I was in the process of posting. So you can't post again in their Facebook area. Oh no, I don't. I don't think I was banned from posting. It's just that particular message thread was censored and banned. Did you write them and say, "What the heck are you doing"? Absolutely. And uh, then I heard after, this is after I posted my article online, then I heard from the from the moderator that I didn't have this tit for tat. She was apologetic and said, oh, you know, really you should repost it, repost it, and, and we'll, we'll be glad to accept it. And, and my feeling is, you know what, too little, too late. Uh, MUFON should incur this bad publicity because this is simply no way to run an organization. This subject is so muddied, it's so dirty, there's so much bad information floating around and the last thing any organization that promotes truth and science and investigation should be doing is trying to censor the censor any level of communication or, or any level of dialogue. They should, you know, it should be transparency to the hilt. And and that's one of the things that I've noticed is since I've left MUFON is that tran- the transparency in that organization simply is non-existent. Well, is it a case of everything going in and nothing coming out? What level of information can you get from the publication? the MUFON Journal and online? Well, they, they do publish a number of their cases in the journal, uh, their monthly journal. And and when you submit, for example, a case online, uh, some UFO sighting that you have, you can actually get data back in terms of, uh, you know, getting statistics and finding out what some of the top cases are and, and where they're located. And, and actually, that's not even, uh, you know, my beef with MUFON when I, when I talk about data in and no data out. What I consider no data out is simply there is no uh, research being done. There's no proper research being done. So MUFON always had this reputation of give us your information, we'll do something with it. Well, actually, nothing's done with it. They've collected data for over 40-something years, 
and they can't even form a hypothesis about what they think is going on or any conclusions about what's going on. And, and they always pay lip service to science, saying we have this science board and we have all these top scientists working with us with PhDs and they're highly credentialed folks. Well, what are they doing? They, have, they haven't done anything. They haven't done anything with the data. Uh, they haven't been able to publish any research studies. And then when this is brought to MUFON's attention, then all of a sudden we get folks in the organization saying, oh, well, we're doing it right now. Well, we're signing up new scientists. We, we have these great ideas. We have these great research projects. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. So let's let's wait and see what the results are. But what about the data that's been collected for the last 40-something years? Who is looking at that? Who is actually doing anything with that? Is anyone doing anything with that? Uh, I seriously doubt it. I've got friends on both sides of this issue. And, uh, and, and James, some want to give you a bouquet and some are ready to throw rotten fruit at you. So I, I'm just uh, wanted to ask um, one thing about the uh, the television show, which I think I dislike more than you do. I think that uh, I don't want to forgive them for it, but isn't it a bit like a, an author who sells his uh, his uh, book rights and a bad movie gets made out of it? I mean, they, they can't be blamed for everything that the producers do. You know, I actually would tend to disagree with that. When I actually did a show for the Discovery Channel called UFOs Over Earth, I made sure that when we wrote up the contract for that, that we had some discretion on how the show was going to be produced and how MUFON would be portrayed. So uh, effectively, there is some leeway if, this, if it's negotiated properly. You don't just let the media run over you just because they, you know, it's their channel. It's, it's still your intellectual property. It's still your organization. If you want your organization to be portrayed accurately, then go out and grab you know one of your members who's a, who's a lawyer who can actually negotiate this on your behalf. So it sounds like they just went in and they were so giddy over the fact that they got this show that they signed the dotted line, didn't read the fine print, and, and now they try to, to blame the, the producers about what's, what the product is. And I just don't buy that. Well, Hollywood agreements in general have hidden traps. We're not so hidden traps. I mean, it's part and parcel of the industry for even famous entertainers, producers, directors to sue the movie companies or the TV production companies. Right. And it's also an option to to opt out of any further production. So they've signed up for season two. Obviously, they, they don't see anything wrong with season one. But I have a I have a big problem with season one. Season one, and, and I'm, I'm really anxious to see how season two is going to turn out and what their future episodes are going to be about. But season one is, has been nothing more than mythology making, or mythology promoting, I should say, because they've regurgitated all of the mythology that's out there, and it really doesn't portray MUFON in any scientific light at all. It really, actually, it's very embarrassing. I, I said this on the forum. Uh, I, I refuse to let my 11-year-old son watch Hangar 1 because I'm too embarrassed to have to tell him, hey, I was the director of this organization not too long ago. It's that embarrassing to me. About when you were director, I wanted to ask you about that. Now, you were talking about the flow of information. I just wanted to know what differences from uh, from your tenure to what you're seeing now. Was there... Um, I know you had some projects, the Project Pandora, where you were scanning MUFON documents, and uh, some of those became available temporarily on the Black Vault. What were you trying to do, and how is it different from what's happening now? Well, when I started up Project Pandora, the goal of Project Pandora was to scan all of MUFON's uh, paper case files and to make them available to researchers. So they have been scanned. They were scanned under my tenure. Uh, and they were uh, there are multiple copies out there. Each board member, for example, has a complete copy of, of of all of those files. But I haven't seen, or the board was never willing to actually 
um, let them be used freely, there was always this idea of, oh, we can sell access to our files, either to researchers or to uh, corporations. So there was always this thought of there, there's a money angle behind it. So in terms of freely releasing the information to the public, you know, you have to get past the board first. And, and the board's never been really willing to do that. Uh, I don't know if they're, ha- if they're more open-minded now about that, but that, that information should be out there. It should be available to anybody who, who's a serious UFO researcher, just to the public in general. I understand that there's uh, privacy information or privacy concerns because there's witness information in there. But if, you know, if we look back at the, uh, you know, any legal uh, obligations MUFON has in terms of privacy, there are very old case files that that simply I don't think applies anymore. And that information should be freely made available. We have more to come with James Carrion. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Kurt Collins. You're in the Paracast. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS, 1-800-425-4610, or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary, not a solicitation for legal services. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows 
pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Southern the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. Chris O'Brien will be back next week. He is mourning this week the death of his brother, Brendan O'Brien, someone whom I talked to once when he was on the Paracast, really wonderful guy, and he left us on the 23rd of March. James Carrion is here. We've been talking very much here about James' connection with MUFON as international director about the problems he's had with them and also this new TV show, Hangar One, going into its second season, one of these reality shows. And you wonder, James, about the reality shows in general. The people who watch them, they're not really interested in getting scientific information. It's just entertainment. It's like Survivor. Well, it is entertainment. I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why these shows are out there and they proliferate. And, and that's understandable. People like to be entertained. But there's also a serious side to it. I mean, uh, you know, let, let's face it. If MUFON has a serious mission, then they need to portray that seriously, even if it's on a show that's meant to, to entertain you. Well, unfortunately, producers don't have that in mind. I think there's a feeling that even so-called legitimate news shows are doing things for the entertainment value, the ratings value selling ads, not so much to convey legitimate news. But, you know, let's take, for example, other shows out there. Let's take, for example, the show Cops. You know, when we're seeing real real policemen doing a real job, doing real investigations, catching real, you know, criminals, they don't have to portray their work as something else to, to try to boost the ratings or try to entertain them. There's, there's an entertainment value there, but it portrays what they do real life. You know, this Hangar One, uh, season one of Hangar One, doesn't show what MUFON does, you know, as an allegedly serious investigation. And, you know, a lot of it, like I said, was mythology promoting. Season two may be different. But the bottom line is that you have to have some accuracy there, some, por- some accurate portrayal of what you're about. And putting talking heads on there that are green, you know, about underground Nazi bases uh, or, you know, just ridiculous things is is not going to... Uh, assign MUFON uh, any sort of scientific reputation 
where somebody who casually is watching the show, maybe maybe for entertainment value, but who has a scientific background, is going to want to lend their name to that. Oh, it's it's a missed opportunity. I, I've talked to some people that are involved on the show, and in fact, the show um, uh, checked with me on access on how to get pictures from the Cash Landrum case, and as James succeeded, James. Uh, John Schusler, uh, someone in MUFON should know how to get in touch with John Schusler about pictures and case information for this case that was the signature MUFON case for some time. I mean, it was just it just show, goes to show how poorly coordinated this is that the show researchers aren't going to MUFON for their story files. And and one one example is uh, one of the season one episodes was based on an internet rumor, some Barstow. Um, UFO case where it was supposedly a landing and a men in black surrounding the area. And that was all based on a, a post on the internet forum. Not a, if there was ever a MUFON case file, I could never locate it. So some of this was in like the Jackie Gleason thing where President Nixon took him to see a, a, a frozen alien. That was a, that was a National Enquirer story. So the, uh, now supposedly they're going to stick with MUFON cases in season two, but I've seen the show titles. And my hopes are not high for it. But I, I think the show is uh, a, a big missed opportunity. But uh, I, I want to change the subject here a little bit. Um, I think, uh, you know, MUFON has its problems, but uh, I think ufology as a whole has its problems. And, and sometimes MUFON gets blamed for just what's wrong with ufology, and it's not exactly the same thing. Well, I would agree. I mean, MUFON is an organization. They've been around a long time. Uh, you know, they are the successors to the organizations that are no longer around, like uh, NICAP and APRO. And so as an organization, uh, they have their own issues, as any organization does. Uh, ufology in general, though, that's a whole different story. You know, honestly, I, I can't even describe uh, in a nutshell what ufology is, because currently it's it's filled with everyone who claims uh, that they have some either some insight or they have some special knowledge or special investigation they've done or some special evidence. Every anybody can call themselves a ufologist. And but where where's the serious ufology at? Where are the where are those folks that get together and they want to actually talk evidence and they want to talk official documents and they actually want to sit down and, and talk about this soberly. You know, everybody seems to be chasing the whatever the latest fad is or the latest rumor, uh, whatever you know gives them some sort of publicity. It's it's really it's a debacle. It, it really is. Ufology is in such a sad state right now. Let's go back into what got you going with your current projects, and of all the things you could have done in exploring the UFO mystery, why did you go back to the ghost rockets? Well, let me give you a little background first here, Gene. Um, when I was in MUFON, and, and uh, you know, back then I had a very genuine interest to understand what in the world was going on. You know, like I said, when I took over from John Schusler, this was in 2006, uh, I, re I remember actually sitting down at MUFON headquarters uh, probably a couple of years before that. And we were, John and I were sitting at a little cafe right across from, from the, the headquarters front, uh, the little storefront they had there. And, you know, I said, you know, in, in all sincerity, I asked John, John, what do you think's going on? What do you think's happening? What are UFOs about? What do you think's behind this? And, and, and he, his answer really floored me. He said, I don't know. And that, that floored me because I thought, wait a minute, how can, you, I don't know, how can you not have an idea 
you know, you, you've been the director for so long, you've been in this organization for so long, so much data has been accumulated. Surely you must have some understanding of what's going on. And, and he really didn't have any answers. So that intrigued me. And, and as I started getting more involved in MUFON, what intrigued me is how many uh, different folks with various, various high-level degrees were involved in the organization. And I thought, well, you know, these guys can't all be crazy. Obviously, you know, they're, they're credentialed folks. They have an education. If they see something in this, in this phenomenon, there must be something here. So that's what really intrigued me. That's what really got me going was this pursuit of truth. And when I became the director and as I started to uh, either investigate cases on my own or receive data coming into MUFON headquarters, the more I started to get this sinking feeling that there were other forces at play here, forces that had nothing to do with men in black and you know, cover up of the, of the subject more along the lines of simply deception. Folks that were trying to come in and do anything possible to disrupt the, or the ufology as a field, as an organization, and trying to dis- disrupt real research. It, it also always seemed to be some sinister force that was coming in to try to meddle in affairs. And, and, and the more I started seeing that, the more I started thinking, there's something to this. This is a part that's unexplored. You know, folks want to label it men in black. I, I'm, I'm not satisfied with that because I don't believe that there's some omniscient, omnipresent organization that knows all, sees all, and can be everywhere at once. There are real human beings behind the, this deception. And why are they doing this? What is their motivation? What are they seeking? And so I thought, you know, I'm going to start looking into that part. And as I started researching, it led me back to, think, to start you know, exploring the early days of UFOs. And as I went back in the 1940s, I started to see that same threat of deception. And that's where I, that's where I landed, and that's where I thought my, I'm going to focus my research, is here at the very beginning of the, of the modern UFO era, you know, back in, in times of Maury Island and Kenneth Arnold and Roswell and the Ghost Rockets. And so that's where I focused my research for the last five years. Now, if we look at these early events and find they were all or mostly related to intelligence activities, does that kind of destroy the edifice of ufology? Not at all. And, and this is the argument I seem to have nonstop with folks in the field who are threatened by the fact that I'm trying to you know, show that these cases are probably more Cold War intrigue than extraterrestrial visit- visitation, because they see it as if, if somehow these four major cases get dismantled, that the entire ET hypothesis is going to topple along with it. And I'm thinking, that's, I don't seem, even understand why they're defensive about this, because that's not the case. You know, if we think about the universe, this large place that we live in, of which we're a very small part in, it's, it's, an, it's enormously huge. Science has actually shown statistically that there's life out there. There are other civilizations, they're out there. The question is, have they arrived here? Have they visited us? That's really the question that ufology is trying to pursue and what they're trying to prove. And who knows? You know, we can't, we can't place outside the realm of possibilities that we've been visited in the past, we've been visited in the present, we're going to be visited in the future. So even if these cases fall to the, to the you know, wayside as Cold War intrigue, that doesn't discount the possibility that there are still cases out there that are real, and that can be proven to be real. So the important thing here is to deal with the cases that are obviously not unusual craft from heaven knows where. That helps us find the answers. We've got a lot more to talk about with James Carrion, including the things he's been working on since the Rosetta Deception. 
was first published. Kurt Collins is our co-host with Gene. You're in the Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. St. Patty's Day is coming soon to Guns80.com. My buddy Mark is rolling in clover since Guns80.com announced its clean and green sale. He used his leprechaun-like magical powers to get Guns80.com to offer us a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Now, for a limited time, when you order an AR-15 rifle kit, Guns80.com will toss in a cleaning kit and a tactical bipod pistol grip free, all for the low, low price of $449.95. Go to Guns80.com. That's Guns80.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. By now, you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins, but did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your products and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We've got a little contest running for people who are interested in the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. One of our members donated two one-year memberships in Paracast Plus. They're normally worth $50 each. And what we're doing here is we're asking those of you who think you deserve a free membership to post a message in our forum at forum.theparacast.com, forum.theparacast.com. It's free to sign up. There's a clearly labeled topic or thread about Paracast Plus and why you would want a free membership. And obviously, we'll look at people who maybe you haven't got the money, you're a student, you're retired, and you can't afford to pay $50 a year. We'll consider that. Otherwise, we welcome your membership. You get After the Paracast, which is an exclusive podcast only available to Paracast Plus members, plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Now, as James Carrion said in his comments in our previous segment, He's not destroying the entire edifice of UFO research if we find out that 
there were intelligence activities early on. Now, after you came out with Rosetta Deception, I gather you've expanded the book? Sure, ab- absolutely. I'm actually doing a rewrite of the book right now. It's, it's going to be doubling in length uh, because I've been still doing ongoing research, and I've actually found out quite a few very interesting things related to the book, things that I'm expanding upon, new information uh, that I found recently. Uh, probably one of the most intriguing things was the fact that this gentleman who a Swedish intelligence officer who was very much involved uh, in the early reports of ghost rockets was later convicted to be a Russian spy by by the Swedish government. So there are things that I found, pieces of information I found early on in my research that I'm now coming back to. And as I circle back to it, I'm finding more pieces of information. It's leading to to other interesting tidbits and other interesting documents. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm headed to the to the National Archives tomorrow because I have a whole bunch of research I'm doing. I already select records I've picked out to uh, try to find other evidence that shows and bolster the case that the ghost rockets are really Cold War intrigue. You know, we're talking about early Cold War here, even before the the, the use of the of the word Cold War. Part of an intelligence history that most Americans don't know about. Now, why is it then that it became part of the UFO lexicon because of lights in the sky? Yeah, honestly, I don't think so. I think that when the ghost rockets were were first, uh, the story of go about ghost Ro- ghost rocks was first put out there. Any and the deception behind this, I don't think the the deception planners had any inkling or any idea that this could be associated with extraterrestrial visitation or aliens or anything from outside the Earth. I think they had a very finite idea about what they were doing in terms of uh, how they're going to push the deception, and it got misinterpreted later. So it was misinterpreted by the general population, and and then ufology in general at a later date. So there's nothing in the ghost rocket reports that say E.T. I would agree with that, Uh, Gene. You know, well, Donald Kehoe is one that that popularized it, but I think other people were looking at it. Some of the early Fordians, they were looking at earlier events to to connect to – to the, the UFO reports, and they weren't necessarily, well, the Fordians were kind of thinking about the extraterrestrial angle, but, but originally it was just, uh, you know, what else is there? The ghost rockets were, uh, were, were fresh in people's minds, and but they were also looking at airships and other things, and they just, they folded in a lot of this in, to add substance to the early flying saucer phenomenon. Was it felt maybe that if you show that maybe the presence of ufos didn't begin on june 24th 1947 with kenneth arnold it would add more credibility to it so you look back into possible early sightings and anything that smacked of lights in the sky was part of the list if it wasn't immediately explained away as conventional you know i would i would think so i think it really started with that with kenneth arnold sightings and then the the explosion that happened in the media from his sighting where folks started looking up into the sky and saying i wonder what that is you know is it is it more than just our military is it more than just you know these new jets that are flying around could there be something else here so i think it became a sort of a media sensation that uh, really triggered the you know sort of this popular cultural myth that we know about today now, after you appeared last summer on the Paracast, Stanton Friedman came on a couple of weeks later, and he also made comments in our forums regarding your book, first before he read it, then after he read it. And then a little bit later on, back on August 10th, Don Berliner had comments, kind of saying pretty much the same thing. Well, they know that something happened then and that you're not considering all the possible instances of these ghost rockets. 
you know, I, I think I, you know, honestly, it's, it, it really boils down to, and I'll just say it, I'll just be blunt about it. You know, Stan Friedman, Don Berliner, and a lot of other folks that are in, you know, this field are intellectual cowards. They're cowards because when, when presented evidence, irrefutable evidence, documented evidence, they refuse to argue evidence. They'll do everything to dismiss, dismiss it, some, you know, summarily dismiss it, point me to other cases they think are real, uh, make any argument except actually read my book, read it for what it is, look at the documentation behind it, and actually see that this is official documentation, you know, declassified top secret memos. We're not talking about grainy slides that was found in somebody somebody's attic. We'll or, have to get into that a little bit later, but go ahead. Or documents that were inserted into uh, uh, the National Archives and, and that some postcard told you to go find. We're really talking about hard evidence here. And when ufology refuses to look at it, when they refuse to examine it, it's because it's, it's purely intellectual cowardice. Is it possible that some ghost rocket reports were... UFOs as opposed to this counterintelligence activity? I can't discount that. Anything's possible. Uh, but I would say that the majority of them were not. And not only the majority were not, but the majority of reports were based on manufactured events. We're, we're talking about true deception here. We're talking about the use of our own naval forces that went in and made some of these ghost rocket sightings happen through what they knew how to do best. You know, a lot of folks don't really understand that the, the how deception was used during World War II and some of the special units that were employed during World War II to make the enemy believe that we were coming into a certain beach, uh, you know, with these large landing craft, when in fact they were just small boats with speakers on them and blowing smoke. You, if you can make an enemy, your enemy, believe that you're landing a major force on a beach, imagine what you can make uh, a peacetime population think that that's going on. I mean, I think there's, there, were, there were enough folks with the skills and the right forces in place that could have made most of these sightings that were allegedly ghost rockets happen. And they weren't really rockets, nor were they extraterrestrial craft. Well, that raises a bigger question. Having succeeded with ghost rockets, to what extent are events in the UFO mystery really due to some kind of counterintelligence? Now, let me just tell you, we're about to run out of time in the segment. So let's start the answer here. Continue in the next segment. Now, I know that Kurt Collins has questions from our listeners that also relate to this. So let's start here, James. So go well, ahead with the first part of the answer. Let's continue. And, and I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch the question. Oh, about can, how, to what degree can this be extended to other events in UFO field, counterintelligence? Oh, understood. Well, I think that, of course, it, the, same, the same operations that that kicked off the ghost rockets, that same Cold War intrigue that later morphed into the broader Cold War and the hysteria of the McCarthy era uh, and our arch enemy, the Soviet Union, all of that together could have easily uh, created, uh, uh, you know, some of these uh, events that are, that are popularly, popularly associated with ufology. I don't know which ones. I can't tell you. I can't tell you exactly which ones. All I know is that there has been enough uh, uh, intelligence interest and intelligence agency interest in this field from a counterintelligence perspective. I mean, we already know that with things like the Paul Benowitz case and and uh, 
you know, Moore's uh, speech at the at the MUFON symposium where he revealed that he was an informer for for an intelligence agency. So we know that there's enough human involvement here to know that there that there's going to be continued involvement because I think they have they use this field. I think they have an interest in this field for their own purposes, and it really has nothing to do with some massive. Uh, cosmic Watergate UFO cover-up. I think they're really just using it for more mundane intelligence purposes. James Carrion is with us with Kurt Collins and Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Mike Stennerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia? It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Extend your life with Extendovite. Here is what one doctor has to say about Extendovite. 
I would like to thank you, Don, for making my job so much easier because your products just make it so simple, right? To fool around with a lot of exotic things that don't work. We can just put them on your product and things start to work almost right away. I've had dozens and dozens of patients with uh, heart problems who have corrected them. And what it's doing, there's so much garlic in there that has a yeast-killing effect. The yeast is a big problem in the gut, pushes the liver heart. It also has metal chelating effect. And most of the other herbs in there I find that strengthen the arteries. They help to neutralize free radicals. Your remedy is close to what we do in our program as you can get as far as one supplement goes. It's working on the, the gut. It's working on the liver. It's working on the arteries. What more can you ask for? To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We have Kurt Collins as our co-host. Chris will be back next week. He is mourning the passing of his brother Brendan O'Brien this week. And we wish him well. James Carrion is talking now about the Rosetta deception and the implications thereof, the presence of intelligence activities that might have impacted UFOs. Now, Maury Island is a common case where we see indications of intelligence activity and all the screwy things that happen with, for example, Kenneth Arnold when he went to Tacoma, Washington, where there are no hotels available but someone already has the reservation. All sorts of screwy things, like talking to a reporter who says he's being recorded in his room. It's tapped. What do you think about that, James? Well, it has all the the, the trappings, all the markings of a, of a Cold War operation. Who were the folks back then who could bug hotel rooms? Uh, who were the folks that, that were adept at psychological manipulation? It was the same intelligence forces that were uh, used during World War II. You know, right after the, the end of the war in 1945, uh, when the OSS was uh, disbanded by President Truman, there were a lot of people that were out of work. And uh, I'm sure some of these forces ended up working some, uh, some, some interesting jobs on behalf of the new intelligence agencies that were there. So we know that there was, there was a skill set out there that was available to pull off something like Maury Island to, to create you know, a deception. And that's something that I'm going to be you know, talking about in, this, in my next book. To what purpose? I understand the purpose of the ghost rockets, but what about Maury Island? I think it's actually very much related. In fact, I think Maury Island is probably the early Roswell. What I mean by that is, if you read my book, what my book is basically saying is that the the United States and Great Britain, they had an interest in pushing or creating these, these news, these sensational news stories for one specific reason. They wanted the Russians to be interested, to become interested in these stories, thinking that it's probably some new U.S. project, some top t- top secret research that was being done, some remanufactured Nazi aircraft that we we took away from Germany. Whatever you want to say, we wanted the Russians involved. We wanted them to be interested for two reasons. One, we could use it for for counterintelligence reasons to find out who had an interest that may indicate who a potential spy is. And the other reason I think, and it's based on you know some serious research I've done, is that I think we were interested in using it to break the Soviet diplomatic code, where these Soviet spies would take these newspaper articles, they would condense them, and then they would encode them and send them back to Moscow. Well, 
at the same time, we were intercepting their coded messages. So we would have then sort of what's called a crib that would let us break into their coding system. So I think there was very much a, a code-breaking aspect to this. So it make the Russians wondering what's going on with these UFOs. Do they represent advanced American aircraft? Do we know something that's going on that they don't? So their spies are work full-time. Absolutely. And, and think about the time involved here. You know, in 1945, we were, late 1945, we were getting the very early indications that there was this massive Soviet espionage effort going on. We knew that from, from defectors, from whistleblowers, and from a, a Soviet code clerk that defected in, in Ottawa. And we were worried. When I say we, I mean those who were in the community at the time, the intelligence community, who were worried that there was, a, there was communist infiltra- infiltration going on. Now we have all these spies running around that we don't know about. And we got to do something. We have to mop these spies up. So I think that the planning for these deceptions happened in, in late 45. Uh, it was crystallized in 46. It started with the ghost rockets, bled over into 47, into Maury Island, and into Roswell. And Kenneth Arnold. Kurt, there are a lot of questions from our forum, from listeners who are just really curious about the work of James Carrion. Can you start asking a few? As soon as I get one of my own burning questions in, before we go go too much further, both your Rosetta Deception and the Roswell book, it looks like they're going to cover the same type of things. And one thing I noticed about the Rosetta Deception was that even if you, a reader, was to disagree with your premise, you laid out several cases you know, many instances of military operations deception that were just, just history now, and, and you use them as an example of the kind of operations, but to present that as a contrast to so many other books where if the premise falls flat, you may, might as well throw the whole book away. But I think that there was quite a bit of value, even if someone dr- disagrees with your, with your overall premise. I would say that even if you don't agree with my, my theory about code breaking or the counterintelligence aspect of this, if, if anything, the book is a good primer on, on this uh, part of, uh, the, of, of U.S. intelligence history a lot of folks don't know about because there's not, not a lot written about it. You know, we're talking about what I call the Wild West of, of U.S. intelligence. This was right after World War II. Like I said, the, the OSS was being disbanded. There was a lot of jockeying around between the military agencies and, uh, you know, a new civilian agency that was coming into being to uh, find out who was going to emerge as the new intelligence agency, the premier intelligence agency, you know, which eventually obviously became the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA. So it was right within that very specific time period that we have all of this going on. I don't think that's a coincidence. Without further ado, uh, this one comes from Wade Risdale, and I think we're going to have to almost break this into two parts, but uh, he's addressing the events that you're you're talking about, um, Roswell and Maury Island. He said the first uh, four big events happened in a a pretty short time frame, and this suggests to me from the very start that military intelligence felt the need to start duping the American public, and I think we can agree on that part now. This is where it gets tricky. He says... In so doing, created and propagated the extraterrestrial meme. Why do you think this is so? Uh, and he goes on to say that with the Soviets, there were already plenty of bo- uh, boogeymen on the planet to, to get us afraid if manipulating us was, the, was the, the idea. So if you could address that. Sure. You know, honestly, I don't think that the deception planners had any thought of this becoming an extraterrestrial theme. I don't think they actually had a tie-in between what they were perpetrating and uh, this being from outer space or little green men or people from other planets. 
they were really trying to portray this as as U.S. advanced technology. That's what their interest was in getting the Russians involved and in, in getting the, the interest of the Russians involved. I don't think they really saw this as some runaway viral thing that was going to happen that would you know spawn countless movies and books in later years. They they really were focused on let's let's try to convince the Russians we have something they don't. That really has nothing to do with extraterrestrial. All this all this extraterrestrial hypothesis and association came much later. The uh, I, I would agree with that. I recently read a lot of UFO history, and it, it seems like although there were some people that considered the idea, it was really much uh, well a bit later, at least in '48, where where the uh, the, the, the Charles White sighting where they couldn't explain it unless it was a rocket ship or a spaceship. So uh, it was spacemen were not the very first thought uh, solution when, when Kenneth Arnold came along. Well, even to Kenneth Arnold, remember when he, his, his, his own self-explanation for what he saw was, I thought there were some, some secret project that, that the U.S. was experimenting with. And a lot of folks early on in, the, in 1947 were, were saying, oh, what could this possibly be? Maybe some high-tech project the U.S. is working on. The association or the overwhelming association with, with uh, something alien, again, didn't start coming until after that. We've got more questions to come. Asked by our guest co-host, Kurt Collins, I'm Gene Steinberg. James Carrion will be back in a moment. You're in the Paracast. Nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Attention listeners, SurvivalLife.com is giving away free EverStrike permanent matches for a limited time only. These matches are waterproof and will light in any weather condition, rain, snow, or sleet. It will still throw a spark. Its built-in ferro rod strikes at 3,000 degrees, and it is good for 15,000 strikes. Normally, $15. Today, it's free. Get yours at FreeWaterproofMatch.com. Again, that's FreeWaterproofMatch.com. Hurry, supplies are limited. Visit FreeWaterproofMatch.com today. It's no secret that government and big business buy in bulk and get huge discounts not available to the little guy. Until now. Introducing a breakthrough crowd-buying website where people can join together, buy in bulk, and get massive discounts on millions of popular products. It's Togethersave.com. Togethersave.com. You can save 20, 30, or even 50% off tablets, smartphones, cars, appliances, textbooks, sports equipment, video games, and much more. All with free delivery. Check it out. Togethersave.com. Visit now and start group buying today at Togethersave.com. The freeze-dry guy, leader in the preparedness industry for 44 years, is closing his California warehouse. 
Don't miss out on this huge warehouse sale and receive discounts from 30 to 40% off on the finest Mountain House and Packaway brand freeze-dried and dehydrated foods for long-term food storage or even everyday use. Plus, deep discounts on all in-stock survival gear. The Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a wide selection of freeze-dried foods in number 10 cans and even individually packaged entrees. Remember, meats, vegetables, fruits, and long-range patrol rations are the main components for any long-term food storage. This is limited to stock on hand, so hurry and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, as always, free shipping to the lower 48 states. So hurry up and call 866-404-3663 or 530-798-4414. Remember, this is limited to stock on hand. The freeze-dry guy is your choice for survival food in an uncertain world. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Jason! 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 Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now, online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're exploring the research that James Carrion has done into the early UFO history and the activities by counterintelligence in the U.S. A lot more questions from our listeners. Our co-host this week is Kurt Collins. Kurt, do you have more questions? There's quite a few. Here's another one from Wade that, that ties in with uh, with what we're talking about. It, it seems like some of the events were uh, manipulated and some of the information about events were manipulated. But he asks, is there any UFO case you found uh, that seemed uh, genuine, sincere, intriguing, but may have been polluted by disinformation agents? Or even by people, perhaps, he's, he's talking about ufologists, who muddied the waters in an effort to make it look like a better case. Well, there, I mean, there are some historical cases that, again, I, I, I was not an, the original investigator, so I don't know how. I never had, you know, interviewed the firsthand witnesses. But there are some historical cases that are very intriguing. Uh, anything from Portage County, Ohio, to even the Cash Landrum incident. Uh, which I, I find to be intriguing based on based on the evidence that was presented. As far as those being muddied, I, I would you'd have to look at Portage County. You know, this happened in the '60s, and then here, you know, later on, this happened during my tenure as as MUFON International Director. We have someone coming forward saying, "Hey, I have some new evidence to support that case." And you know, we let this person come and speak at the MUFON Symposium. He sounded sincere. He had some interesting evidence to back up his story. He didn't sound like he had any re- reason to lie, but 
as you know, again, like I said, as these elements of human deception are slowly start to start to introduce themselves, when I did a, a very thorough investigation on this person, I found out that his story began to unravel, and that really all this new evidence was not new evidence at all. It was simply a, a you can label it a hoax, you can label it as deception. I don't know why this person decided to do this, but all of his story was garbage. So here we have a, what used to start off as a very interesting historical case that later on someone tries to muddy the waters about. We can use Roswell in the same, from the same perspective because Roswell happened back in, in 1947. And then what happens later on with these MJ-12 documents that come out? You know, again, somebody put these documents together, somebody researched, somebody had to go in there and, and, and forge them if they're forgeries. Who did it? Why did they do it? What is their motivation? There's somebody muddying the waters here. And a lot of times folks folks will say, oh, there's a money angle to it. Is somebody trying to uh, simply make money off of this? I don't buy that. There's a human deception part to this. And that human deception goes back to the intelligence agencies. That answered Stan Denista's question. So we'll be moving on to uh, open-minded earthling. There, there are a few more Roswell questions, and this is about the nature of, of the crash itself. Do you think it's possible Roswell was a crash of some top-secret aircraft, a prototype or secret design that just crashed and was covered up? The, the basic question is, what do you think crashed and how was the information manipulated? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think we really know some, whether something crashed or not. We know that debris was found. Um, there, you know, the, the thing with Roswell is there's so many alleged witnesses and eyewitnesses and firsthand se- or, you know, secondhand information out there. It's really hard to sort fact from fiction in this case. And then, as I said, the later, uh, the later introduction of evidence that just muddies the water further really doesn't help it. Here's the thing about Roswell that simply stinks to high heaven for me. And I come from a military intelligence background. One of the first things they tell you in military intelligence is keep your mouth shut, right? The last thing you want to do if you're trying to do something in secret is to draw attention to it. So the, this, the fact that something allegedly crashed around, outside of Roswell, the military recovered it, and then they put out a press release. And not only this wasn't a press release from you know, the local National Guard unit, it was a press release from the 509th Bomber Group. We're talking about the folks that dropped the atomic bomb on Japan, highly intelligent, hand-picked folks. They had to have security clearances because of the nature of their job. And you're telling me they're going to put out a press release on this? That does not make any sense from a military intelligence perspective. You don't cover something up by drawing attention to it. You cover something up by keeping your mouth shut, and you can try to explain it away in any number of other reasons. Even, for example, when when we exploded the first atomic bomb at Trinity, there was a cover story already in place for that. The cover story was there was an ammo dump that blew up. So if something got out to the public and the public started questioning why, you know, what blew up, they already had a way to cover that up. The fact that somebody found some debris outside Roswell doesn't tell me, doesn't make any sense in terms of putting out a press release that goes worldwide, draws instant attention to this event. And, and, and draws the, you know, all of these interested media, you know, hounds that come in and they make it this big news event. That's not the way you cover up an event. Do you ever think here, and this may be the reason why you had the denial in the afternoon. Oh, no, it was only a balloon. That somebody just screwed up. Somebody may be looking for attention. Posted this thing, made it public. They were said, what the heck did you do? That was a dumb decision. And that's why they had to have the announcement that it really wasn't a crash disc after all. 
I, I would accept that again if the unit that put out the press release was the local National Guard unit, but not the 509th Bomber Group. That simply doesn't fly. So there had to be a legitimate purpose to put that out. Absolutely. I think you can. I, I was, uh, you know, I was really trying to find this interview the later day in my research. Uh, it was, uh, I think, it was an interview done with the uh, one of the radio announcers in Roswell, where when the press release was delivered, I think it was 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 delivered to him. He actually questioned putting it out. He he said to, to Walter Howard, "Are you sure you want me to put this out? This doesn't make any sense." So, so here you have a civilian questioning a military guy about a press release being put out. To me, that tells me it was put out on purpose, not for the reasons that most people in this field think it is. I think it was put out as part of this deception operation. They really needed to make this thing go viral. Uh, one thing on that is that um, we, we often get confused by our modern definition of what flying saucer is. And at the time, it was just a general term for a mis- mysterious flying thing. And so it, 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 we may get more excited over this old newspaper clipping than it really is worth. And we're, we're putting, bringing all our baggage in, in Stanton Friedman's version of a flying saucer when we see that. And it just it, it didn't necessarily mean uh, near what it does today. Well, yeah, I would agree. And not to mention that, you know, ufology loves to gloss over evidence. When it doesn't fit, they simply discard it. So if we look, for example, at what happened, was happening, you know, right after Ken Thorold's sighting and uh, all of these saucers were being seen all over the United States, they failed to point out all of the news stories about things that were found besides Roswell. Like, for example, down in Texas, we're on a beach. This disc supposedly washed up, and written on it said, property of the, of the U.S. Army Air Force. Uh, if found, call Spokane, Washington, and call this one particular colonel and report it because it's a top-secret project. Why isn't that ever mentioned by the ufologist? Because it doesn't fit their ET hypothesis. It does fit, it'll fit a human deception theory, but not their hypothesis. Or let's take, for example, the, uh, the uh, Battle of L.A., Right, what a lot of ufologists gloss over is just a couple of days before that, the, there were a couple of Japanese submarines that surfaced off the coast of California and started shelling, shelling the beach and shelling the dock. So what's more, what's more plausible that we're vis- that there was an the ET craft flying over Los Angeles, or was it just folks that had war nerves because they had just received their first beating from the Japanese? This was the only time the Japanese had actually attacked our homeland besides uh, at Pearl Harbor. I've got another Roswell question here, and this is actually something I think that you uh, tackled in the forums, but uh, I think that the listeners would be interested in this. Uh, this is from uh, Ken Karras. Were Brigadier Generals Exxon and DuBose lying in telling that Roswell was an extraterrestrial event? You know, some uh, maybe the same person who posted on the on the forum, uh, but I asked the question. I asked my my response was. Do you have an affidavit? Is there an affidavit that actually says that these two generals said that they were this was an extraterrestrial craft? I never got a response to that. There, there's been rumors, and you know, there was an investigator who claimed that he had, he had interviewed the general and uh, one of the generals, and he was told this is all hearsay. What I like to see is a, a, a real affidavit to back that up. And there was. Uh there's some general questions about, about ufology and the understanding of the nature of the event. We'll get into the general questions and so much more. Our guest co-host is Kurt Collins. We have James Carrion and Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. 
minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. As the new world order continues to tighten its grip on every facet of our lives, we're all asking ourselves, how can we maintain our independence? The answer is clear. Get prepared and you get prepared now. Now the only question left is where do we begin? My Patriot Supply is here to help. Call 800-247-3070 to get started with your 72-hour emergency food supply for only $10. We're even covering the cost of shipping. Are you willing to rely on the government and FEMA in the event of an emergency? Call 800-274-3070 to get started with your 72-hour emergency food supply for only $10. You won't be able to find this deal online, and there is a strict limit of four per caller, so don't wait. Call now, 800-274-3070. That's 800-274-3070. Call right now. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. James Carrion is here, and we're progressing for another five segments to discuss all his research. Obviously, focus a lot on early intelligence activities that may have happened in place of perceived ufo events intriguing it's also intriguing if you go to plus.thepowercast.com plus.thepowercast.com we have another radio show called after the powercast it's only available to those of you who subscribe to the powercast plus at plus.thepowercast.com check it out we also give you the ad-free version of this show with a higher quality audio file we got video content coming. And for those who subscribe to one year or more, you get a copy of Stalking the Tricksters by Chris O'Brien. So let's continue. Kurt Collins, more questions. This sounds like uh, a Jacques Vallée fan. Uh, this is an open-minded earthling again. He says, humans have a long history of being interested in strange, scoured objects, otherworldly beings for religious and spiritual belief systems. Many of these beliefs have been vanquished by science, but now the old flying saucer concept is dying out too. The youth is going in another direction with newer quantum, multidimensional, and information science concepts. It's the new metaphorical wording to describe what humans have always been thinking about. Comments. Well, I, you know, I don't know if it's dying out. I think that newer generations, you know, they maybe they associate ufology with their with their parents or their grandparents, and and so they want to do something different. Uh, you know, it's very popular, I think, in, in, with the younger generation to go ghost hunting. You know, that that seems sexy to them to actually, you know, have an encounter with the paranormal uh, when it when it you know by going to a haunted house and and trying to you know uh, you know pick up EVP recordings. So I think I'm not I'm not so sure that it's dying out. I think maybe it's just changed. Uh, it's a different mentality. It's a different culture. We you know instant gratification has a lot to do with it. Um, and the problem with with the UFO field is that. It, it doesn't actually, you know, cater to the instant gratification generation. I mean, who who wants to watch, uh, you know, some strange light uh, on YouTube? They want to see something, you know, very, you know, sensational. And, and and so the problem is, what's sensational on YouTube are a lot of the hoax videos that have come out. You know, those that that are dramatic and show up up close ET craft, you know, coming in very close and flying around and and astounding everybody, only to be proved later to be hoaxes. So it's really hard. I think, you know, there's too much junk out there to, to really say that, you know, the younger generation or that, that this subject is dying out. I think it's just morphing into a, into a different, uh, different aspect. Which aspect are you talking about? Where is the field going? I think the field is going towards, you know, more, you know, honestly, it's, it's more mythology promoting. Uh, it's unfortunate. I don't think, I really don't think anybody, there's, there are a lot of folks out there that have a sincere interest 
and uh, doing hardcore research. You know, MUFON wants to play lip service to it. They want to say they have all these corporate backers and all these scientists. Uh, I don't think it's going to get very far because there's no transparency there. So the hardcore science has, has simply shied away from this. So what we're left with is sensationalizing, uh, mythology promoting, docutainment, lots of good cable TV shows out there that entertain people because it allegedly shows real investigation. Uh, but it's going to end up with just you know more junk in the landfill. That's what I would like to say. I'm wanting to go back. You made some more comments about MUFON. Is um, problems that you have with uh, ufology and, and MUFON in particular, do you think that it's something that can be fixed? Um, it can be fixed if maybe there's a change of leadership. Uh, the problem is that the leadership of MUFON is basically, a, it's made up of a board of believers. They, they believe that UFOs are extraterrestrial. They, they don't, there's no open-mindedness there. There's no skepticism as far as maybe there's another explanation. If, if there was, they would be promoting that level of research. Instead, they ignore it. And, and like anyone else who's a sensational seeking or any of these folks that make the rounds of the talk circuits and the, and the conferences, they have no interest in solving. They just have an interest in perpetuating. You know, that reminds me of something that Major Donald Kehoe said maybe, what, 50 years ago, where he was moving his organization, NICAP, to get congressional hearings. They got the hearings that brought the Condon report, didn't help very much. But he said at the time, our purpose is to put NICAP out of business. If we get the congressional hearings, we get serious scientific attention. They take it over. They try to find out what's happening, what UFOs are all about. We've served our purpose. We could move on. So he envisioned the end of NICAP, whereas today MUFON doesn't envision an end. They expect this to go on for as long as people will pay a membership fee every year or a lifetime membership fee to remain in the organization. There's no incentive to say it's time to move on. We've got the acceptance we want because the acceptance puts them out of business. Well, you know, honestly, if MUFON's, uh, if MUFON's motto is to investigate this for the benefit of humanity, that means to come up with real answers. And it's not to perpetuate their organization, not to continue their social club, uh, not to try to keep themselves in business. It's really about finding answers and to provide answers to the general public. Uh, if, if all you're doing is drumming up more questions and you're not actually providing answers, you're providing a disservice. But I, I would like to go back to what you just said about NICAP because – you know, a lot of a lot of folks don't know that on the board of NICAP was a very interesting individual uh, it, by the name of Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter. Oh Pres- yes, we've mentioned this. And Mr. Hillencotter has a very interesting uh, uh, history in the intelligence field. He was the first director of the CIA, and before that, he was involved in a number of deception operations and a number of intelligence operations from World War II into the Ghost Rockets all the way into his, I'm sure, his tenure on the board of NICAP. So you have to under, you have to ask yourself, why would an ex-CIA director have any interest in this field whatsoever, unless maybe there's some uh, ulterior motive there, maybe there's something that, that continues to be of usefulness to the intelligence agencies, and he was part of that. Now, the excuse at the time was that he was a classmate at Annapolis of Major Kehoe's. They were old friends. That's why he agreed for a time to serve on that board. 
True, uh, and and I can understand that line of reasoning. Uh, what I will show in actually my rewrite of the of the Rosetta deception is that along with his that classmate, there were a number of other classmates that ended up very interesting positions uh, that had to do with the Rosetta deception. Was Kehoe a part of that deception? Let's turn this thing on its ear. That I can't say. I don't know enough about Kehoe. I don't know enough about his background. Um, that I could not say with any certainty. I met Keo a few times. He seemed like a personable gentleman. He seemed sincere enough. So I don't know. Sure. And I think, you know, there are a mixture of people in this field. I think a lot of times folks, they get this idea that if there is cover-up, if there is deception, that if there is conspiracy, it has to be so many individuals all centrally coordinated, all orchestrating this, this major event. And that's actually not true. It doesn't take a lot of control to get deception going. That was proven during World War II. It was practiced during World War II. And the key folks that were involved in those deception operations happened to be in the same positions of power when, uh, in 1946 and 1947, when these major events that I'm investigating happened. And, and in fact, there's a, there's a precedent to, the, to this. If you read World War II history, then you would know what the London Controlling Section is. It's the British organization that, that practiced deception against the Germans. Uh, in the United States, it's called Joint Security Control. I have documents that show Hoyt, Hoyt Vandenberg was a member of Joint Security Control. Uh, General uh, McDonald was a member of Joint Security Control. These are folks that knew how to, how to perpetrate deception, and they were in the right place at the right time to do it. So what we're saying here is that people who were part and parcel of early information about UFOs mentioned in concern with documents about UFOs, were also intelligence people. But we're not, they were not just any intelligence people. They were the folks in intelligence that were responsible for strategic deception. Well, obviously that shows a lot. But do you think the presence of the former head of the CIA on NICAP may have indicated that NICAP itself was engaged in some kind of counterintelligence activity? I mean, it was heavily laden with ex-military. Now, we only have about 40 seconds for this segment, so you can start the answer now. We'll pick it up. I think that, uh, you know, wherever there was, was any interest in high technology or the possibility of high technology being, being used, in other words, if, if the Russians thought UFO craft were really U.S. secret operations, then there would be a Russian espionage interest, and therefore there's going to be a counterintelligence interest on the part of uh, the U.S., we have James Carry on his book being modified now as we speak, The Rosetta Deception. There is a Roswell deception coming up. We'll ask about Roswell slides and a lot more of your questions, listeners. Our guest co-host is Kurt Collins. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Are you hungry for delicious, nutritious, rich, and satisfying home-cooked meals? Discover the Vita Clay 4-in-1 Smart Organic Cooker. 
Unglazed Zisha Clay, an ancient secret that makes this fast multi-cooker so special. Infusing your food with incredible flavors, perfect texture, vitamins, and minerals for your good health. It's a slow cooker, rice cooker, a steamer, plus a yogurt maker. Go to VitaClayChef.com and enter promo code RADIO20 for 20% off at checkout. That's VitaClayChef.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, we have four segments left, and I want Kurt to maybe ask a few of the very key questions left, because I have a few left of James Carrion. Kurt? There's several good ones, and, and they're on uh, different topics, So, but this one ties closely to what we were just talking about. This comes from uh, Dissident UFO Buff. In your estimation, what percentage of modern UFO mythology is a result directly or indirectly of military intelligence or counterintelligence operations? You know, I, I couldn't even, you know, venture a guess on that. I, I, w- I wouldn't know percentage-wise. All I can say is that there is an interest that there's still an ongoing counterintelligence interest in this field, and there's usefulness. We, we, the, the ufology plays the, a useful partner to the intelligence agencies, and part of that is probably counterintelligence. Probably that is simply, you know, practicing human deception. If we're going to teach our new recruits how to deceive the Russians, why don't we get them to practice on deceiving ufologists first? There's, there's an ongoing interest. I don't want to put a number on it, but I know there is. So we're basically an easy target. Absolutely. Well, I get the I get the feeling that it's not like a Scooby Doo episode where they're they're trying to to hoax a UFO. It's more that it's uh, the confusion of UFOs if they send a, a surveillance vehicle over enemy territory and they don't know what it is. Having a UFO as an answer is 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 better than than having a, you know, the Air Force blamed for it. 
Sure. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with development of new, you know, secret craft, uh, stealth technology. They would rather somebody blame that new stealth aircraft flying overhead on a UFO than, you know, something that that we're paying a a pretty penny for out of our defense budget. So I, I think there's multiple uses of this field. You know, I think that there's a whole range of psychological experiments that can be done or have been done and probably are still ongoing. Uh, and I'm sure there's a, n- a number of things that have to do with with uh, media manipulation, with uh, you know uh, general population persuasion, uh, information control. There are all kinds of interesting aspects that play out here. So how do you separate the faux UFOs from the so-called real ones? That's a difficult problem that ufology faces right now. I mean, I think I think we have to go back. You know, I, I you probably know that the X Files is coming back for. Uh, uh, a six uh, show season, which I'm very excited about. I'm a big X Files fan, but one of ditto, my favorite, ditto. <laughs> one of my favorite X Files episode is the one where the, the the couple is in their car and they're going down the country road, and all of a sudden the, they're they're abducted by aliens. These little gray beans, and then another bigger UFO comes and abducts the gray aliens and the couple, and then it turns out later in the episode that the gray aliens are are U.S. Air Force guys in disguise. Right. This is the classic episode because I think it really is indicative of what ufology faces. How do you separate what is human deception from what is real activity? And unless somebody is willing to dip their fingers into human deception and actually investigate it away, research it thoroughly, and try to prevent some of this mudding of the water, you're simply never going to have any answers in this field. I've said this very much, I've said this very many times in the past, if you cannot explain the role of government in this field, there, there is no progress. You know, let me ask you something here with regard to that, because you raised the question by citing that X-Files episode. Abductions, particularly Barney and Betty Hill, because they lived near an Air Force base and they had friends in the military. Do you think some of these abduction cases were part of a military experiment? You know, it's a possibility. I don't know. I actually have, uh, you know, in all the different aspects of ufology, I, I do find abductions probably the most intriguing, uh, primarily because I, I was investigating one case that happened in Colorado, and um, it was a very dramatic case, uh, probably even more dramatic than Betty and Barney Hill. But it's not in the in the in the in the case files anywhere uh, because it didn't receive a large large amount of publicity, but very dramatic nonetheless. And so, as I was investigating that, you know, what struck me was the uh, the honesty, the sincerity of these alleged abductees, their fear of of going public with it. You know, they really had no money motivation. There was simply no nothing to gain by coming out with a story. Everything to lose. So, I, I do find abductions to be very interesting. Are they tied into some sort of military psyops or experimental program? Possible. I just don't know. Well, I want to have some more discussions about abductions. We'll possibly have a future episode on the subject. Let me cover one more thing before we get to more questions from Kurt. And that is back to Roswell. So we have the so-called Roswell slides. with No evidence they were connected to Roswell. What's your observation about it? I mean, we realize supposedly the actual presentation is not going to happen until May in Mexico City. But there has been so much advanced anticipation and publicity, which I think is overdone. I'm kind of prejudging this. What do you think about all of it? Honestly, I, I'm not. I'm not going to pass judgment on on the, the slides as evidence. 
but I'll just make some general observations about ufology in general. Whenever something comes up that's sensational, that's new, that allegedly is going to be the smoking gun that's finally going to prove that Roswell really happened or this case really happened, uh, ufology descends on it like a rat on a Cheeto. I mean, they, they are all over it. It doesn't matter whether or not there's any holes in the story or there's, there, there's you know, lack of chain of custody or, or, or there's a problem with provenance. They're just simply all over it because, you know, hey, that's, this is going to do it for us. This is really going to prove that we're right about this. And, and I actually find that to be ridiculous. Uh, you know, if you, if you truly want to understand what's happening uh, in, in ufology, then you, just, you, have, you can't be lazy. You can't wait for the evidence to come to you. You have to go look for the evidence. Uh, so, you know, we're talking, how many ufologists am I going to see tomorrow in the National Archives? I would bet zero. You know, in the past, you have, you know, these major UFO researchers like Stanton Freeman claim I've been to, I don't know how many archives, and I've done this research and that research. That's great. I really applaud your efforts, Stanton. What have you done for me lately? You know, where are the Stanton Freemans of the world now that are sitting in those archives looking for new evidence, that are trying to come up with evidence? They're too lazy. It's, 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 it's intellectual. That's not even intellectual cowardice. It's just intellectual laziness because everybody wants to be a UFO armchair researcher and just wait for the evidence to somehow fall into their laps. It's not going to happen. That, that partly ties in with, with this question. So I think you've answered in part, but there's another uh, part. This is from Ezekiel. What about the, it's about the methods being used. And he says, is, is trying to catch a fly with a pair of wet noodles a good analogy to current efforts? by youthologists. I think uh, he wants you to comment on the, the methods, the techniques, and possibly the discipline. And, and you've said some, something about that, but obviously there's more. What, what should they be doing besides the, the hard research? What about actually finding things and collecting evidence? Well, you know, I, I think that probably uh, one of the most interesting experiments I saw that MUFON was a part of uh, was called the AMP Project. And uh, this, a lot of folks probably don't know about this, but this was uh, AMP, AMP stands for Ambient Monitoring Project. And what they did is they uh, recruited uh, these folks that claimed to have abductions, and they put inside of their homes these scientific devices. Uh, it was basically just a box that looked like uh, something mundane. And inside of this box, there were scientific instruments that were uh, measuring ambient temperature and, and gravitational fields and any number of other things, um, and then recording it, uh, the data. And then what they had these uh, abductees do was uh, anytime they thought they had an, an abduction experience, they were supposed to journal about it. And so they would collect the data, the abductees would journal, and then later on they were supposed to combine that research together to see that when, a, when an abductee claimed to have an experience, whether something changed in their environment something physically changed. I thought it was very interesting, very, very good scientific, um, you know, experiment in terms of a hypothesis and data being collected. The problem was the data was never researched. I'm sorry, the data was never analyzed. When I was, when I was the director, um, I really tried to pursue getting this data analyzed. We actually found a, a statistician who was going to massage the data and put out a report. That person sat on the data for months. They never did anything about it. We never ended up actually paying them, and then I ended up leaving the organization before it could be analyzed again. So there's data sitting in MUFON's archive right now, unanalyzed, hard data. Why is that not being looked at? Instead we have to look at this announcement, and we'll get back to more of this with James Carrion. With Gene and Kurt Collins, 
You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels. Too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Most people know that drinking pure high alkaline pH water is the most important factor in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to make your water alkaline to help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy level. Alkalizing water helps your body rid itself of acidic waste and increases the oxygen content of your body. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, and cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. 
Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776 today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Kirk Collins is joining us as guest co-host. He has studied UFOs very intensively in recent years, Cash Landrum case. He's also the curator of jimmosley.com. And he's been asking the questions that you listeners are posing on the show. Chris O'Brien is on leave for this week, mourning the death of his brother, Brendan O'Brien. James Carrion is answering your questions. Kurt, you got some more? Oh, there's more. There's one that's a, a favorite topic of the Paracast listeners. So uh, Heidi Limmer asks, have you visited Ray Stanford to see his films or pictures? Uh, or while you were in MUFON, did you... Did you know anyone who looked at his work? And if not, have you found any other UFO film that was uh, compelling? I, I have not seen Stanford's films. Uh, and I, and I, I think I even said this on the forum. I probably won't look at Stanford's films. Uh, and the reason for that is I'm too focused on, on my piece of the puzzle, which is the 1946 to 1947 time frame. You know, um, you can't look at ufology as an overall subject. You can't study it as just one big topic that gets thrown into one big bucket. If you really want to do some serious research into the field, you need to pick a niche and you need to focus on that niche. Um, so that's my answer to the, to, to the, the film question. Uh, as far as other films, um, honestly, I, I haven't seen anything that I would say is extremely compelling to me. Uh, and, and this, we're talking about historical films here. Uh, nowadays, I, I won't even bother to get on YouTube or look at the latest that's coming across Facebook because there's simply too many hoaxes out there. There are too many people with good good computer systems and good software skills that can create some really good special effects. Okay. If there is any case about UFOs that is really compelling that can't be explained conventionally, what would you point to? Actually, I would probably turn that question around and say and ask, are you referring to case, a UFO case that somehow equates to the extraterrestrial hypothesis? I'm thinking in terms of any case that demonstrates an unknown, a mystery that needs to be solved. It doesn't necessarily have to be ET. Well, I think that there's a number of those, you know, Portage County, Ohio, Cash Landrum, you know, Roswell, supposedly an ET crash. So these are all compelling cases. They all have you know, evidence behind them, and they all have interesting uh, aspects to be researched. Um, I the compelling part, I would I find that difficult to answer because it's I don't feel compelled that they're 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 providing me an answer. You know, I don't think that that they're intriguing. They're they're intriguing. They should be looked at. They're a mystery, but they but they remain a mystery. And why do they remain a mystery? Maybe because they were in the past. The eyewitnesses are dead. The investigation's already been done into firsthand testimony and the collection of evidence. So they will remain a mystery, and they're, but they're not compelling to me because they don't tell me that it's anything other than an unknown. So it's, 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 it's really a difficult question to answer. 
this was more of a statement. I think this is kind of interesting, especially if we uh, try to apply this to what uh, James was saying earlier about MUFON, about them being composed of believers. And uh, this is about labeling. And he said, let's see if we can eliminate positioning each other as believers, government, government dupes, and debunkers. Addressing that idea, not the person, should be our primary focus. Miscommunication and guesses about where we think people are coming from by labeling them does none of us any good. We need to stop barking <laughs> and, and thinking uh, together. One of the things is you hear this uh, claim so often, someone disagrees with you, well, they're a starry-eyed believer or they're a disinformation agent, you know, simply because they have a belief that's a notch difference from yours. And why, why is there such a little tolerance for just seeing uh, our working together and not getting hung up on these little points. Well, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would agree with that to a degree. So let's let's think about the spectrum of belief here. So if we look at the spectrum of belief, on one end we have what I would label, I'm sorry, because you have to put labels on a spectrum, diehard believers. And at the other end of the spectrum, you have diehard debunkers. Both of these folks, both these folks have the same intellectual view of what they believe. And that is their mind is already made up. Believers at one end of the spectrum say, oh, ET's visiting us. There's no doubt about it. You can't convince me otherwise. Debunkers on the other end will say the opposite. They'll say, can't possibly be ET. There's no hard evidence. But, you know, in the same way the believer refuses to look at and look at the evidence to the contrary of their beliefs, the debunker does it in the same way by, summar- by, by doing a summary dismissal. They won't even look into, into it. They won't actually research it. Their minds, both minds are already made up. In the middle of that spectrum of belief are what I call true skeptics. If you're a true skeptic, what you're, you're not basing your research on belief. You're looking into hard evidence. You're looking at documents. You're looking at a way to try to discount, your own, discount whatever beliefs you have and try to do away with whatever beliefs you have and even trying to explain away whatever hypothesis you have. I've said this time and time again. If somebody doesn't believe my theory, that's great. But doesn't believe my hypothesis, that's great. Prove me wrong. But don't prove me wrong by telling me what your belief is. Prove me wrong by showing me what I got wrong, what documents I don't, I'm misinterpreting, what evidence have you produced that's hard evidence you know, from an archive that shows completely the opposite of what I'm saying here. Right? If we're going to argue, we don't need to label people. We just need to sit like any other, any other uh, scientific research organization or, or, or colleagues do. They sit around, they argue evidence. They don't argue personalities. They really don't argue beliefs. Right? It's all about the hard evidence. I think what complicates that, though, is that some of these people uh, are putting labels on themselves. I mean, some, in some cases, literally joining clubs, whether it's a you know, skeptic organization, and uh, they're pretty much uh, married to the position then. They're not even examining uh, evidence. Well, I don't mean literally examining, but, but uh, their, their mind is closed because uh, they basically have a, a political party sign over their head. Well, I remember somebody once said, the UFO field is toxic. So, James, do you go along with that? I absolutely agree with that. It's, in fact, it's so toxic, it would prompted me to leave, move on, resign. Actually, even before resigning, I left the, I had already given my notice because I found the field to be so toxic that it was disrupting my research. I couldn't focus with all of this noise. So, I thought, you know what, I got to get out there where I can breathe the fresh air and whether it's calm and I can just sit down and look at it, the evidence myself and do my own research independent of all of this 
strangeness or all of this noise or all of these, you know, folks with with different agendas. And, and really just to try to focus on what I would like to do, which is to do the hardcore documentary re- research. Uh, this uh, Constance had some comments. I think she was one of your uh, your critics on the, the forum. And she talked about reading uh, the uh, the part where you had your uh, your post, uh, uh, the what was called uh, What's Next, uh, MUFON Book Burning, when they censored your, your post. And she said, uh, that's not good. There's a history there for sure and maybe no way of finding out what happened. And she thinks it's something of a he said, she said, um, and, and that there's a grudge, that you have a grudge with MUFON. Uh, you seem to be saying neither MUFON or anyone else in the field can be trusted except perhaps you. <laughs> she emphasizes that. If that's not what you meant to say, who are the researchers you do trust, past and present? Let's have that question held over. Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com It's no secret that government and big business buy in bulk and get huge discounts not available to the little guy. Until now. Introducing a breakthrough crowd-buying website where people can join together, buy in bulk, and get massive discounts on millions of popular products. It's Togethersave.com. Togethersave.com. You can save 20, 30, or even 50% off tablets, smartphones, cars, appliances, textbooks, sports equipment, video games, and much more. All with free delivery. Check it out. Togethersave.com. Visit now and start group buying today at Togethersave.com. Hi, this is Larry Smith. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. When the cleaners ruined some special clothing, all they could do was show us the sign that said they weren't responsible. But when they got the letter from one of our Legal Shield attorneys, he promptly gave us a check for $1,152. Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia? It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. 
Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Extend your life with Extendovite. Here is what one doctor has to say about Extendovite. I would like to thank you, Don, for making my job so much easier because your products just make it so simple, right? To fool around with a lot of exotic things that don't work. We can just put them on your product and things start to work almost right away. I've had dozens and dozens of patients with uh, heart problems who have corrected them. And what it's doing, there's so much garlic in there that has a yeast-killing effect. The yeast is a big problem in the gut, pushes the liver heart. It also has metal chelating effect. And most of the other herbs in there I find that strengthen the arteries. They help to neutralize free radicals. Your remedy close to what we do in our program as you can get as far as one supplement goes. It's working on the, the gut, it's working on the liver, it's working on the arteries. What more can you ask for? To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So Constance, a regular participant of our forums, has made some critical comments of James Carey on our guest on the Paracast this week with Kurt Collins and Gene Steinberg. James, what's your response? Well, actually, I did respond to her post. And that is, I make no bones about my past with MUFON or with ufology. Sure, there's a history there. There's a past there. And, and anybody who you know, has been in the field long enough will know that. This is not about a grudge. This is about one thing, and that is, what is truth? I said this a number of times. If you are in this field and you have a sincere interest for truth, a sincere interest to pursue truth, then... The bottom line is you ha- you're going to have to decide whether you're going to truly investigate and search for that truth or you're simply going to perpetuate all of the mythology that's out there. So my grudge right now with MUFON has more to do with how their reputation has been sullied by this, this show that they've, they've come out with because they've basically sold themselves out from a scientific UFO organization to just being mythology promoters. And to being the uh, this having this illicit affair with with the uh, with the media companies and with the with the history with the History Channel, so what I'm saying is that you know how can anybody have a, can pursue truth when there are all of these different you know so-called promoters of truth, MUFON being the one that was supposed to be scientifically minded, and they've turned around and they're completely the opposite of what they claim themselves to be. They're anti-science. There is no science in the organization. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that they're doing any science. So that's my grudge, right? That's what, that's the thing that, that, that makes me upset about MUFON is how far they've fallen from the path. I'm trying to find something that, that connects with, uh, with what we're talking about here. This is one from Sue. She's actually got a question that, that's more about uh, ufology in general. And um, she says, 
how do you build a social institution to scientific study around a question that may not have a scientific answer? Where there are traditions and institutional infrastructures of methodology, transparency, data sharing, organizational accountability, and protocols for human subjects' protection. Carrion makes substantive arguments that raise questions along these lines. I think we've t- touched on this some, but uh, does that, does that uh, um, prompt you to make comments on uh, anything that, that's being done wrong you think should be changed? Um, sure. I, I think that, I mean, I think that those are some very valid points. How do we truly investigate this subject? What are the standards of research? What are the standards of evidence? What are the standards of professional conduct? Those are all things that haven't even been addressed after all of these years. So until someone can sit down with all seriousness and address those questions, then truly scientific research cannot happen. And, and so, you know, these, these ad hoc experiments, these ad hoc research endeavors, um, you know, this ad hoc involvement of, you know, alleged scientists, it simply cannot produce good results until ufology as a field sits down and will, and tries to come up with some of these some some of these very basic answers to how they're going to self-govern themselves and how they're going to govern research in this field. If MUFON is the wrong place to go for solid UFO research, is there any organization in the United States of America that you would go to? Sure, I would go to the CIA uh, because they have. <laughs> No, and I'm saying that in all seriousness because, like I said, we cannot sort uh, real from from you know uh, just uh, you know deception until we have a way of understanding the role of role of of human deception in this field, and we can the role of government in this field. So obviously, the intelligence agencies they know their own role. They're they're they have they they know what part is theirs. It's as simple as that, uh, and they know what part is not. So. You know, unless they come forward and say, "Hey, guys, you know, all these years we've not only you know pulled the wolves over over your eyes, but we this is our case, and this is our case, and this is our case," it's going to be very difficult to try to say any or any organization to be able to prove or or come up with some sort of research methodology that's going to that's actually going to produce results. Well, you were talking about uh, several things about the data that's been collected. And that it's not being used. What do you think the potential for using that data? Uh, um, the uh, all the, all the ca- well, okay. The AMP uh, project is another thing entirely. We don't know what that'll show, but do you think that there's some useful information that could come from a from a, a proper and aggressive analysis of the, the case files themselves? I think there's potential there, but I think it, it would have to be something that would be mostly based on statistics. Uh, and doing statistical studies of different events and different cases, um, and and just trying to come up with some sort of baseline for for what for what activity has been observed. I mean, I think that that is good information. I'm not so sure it's going to provide answers, but I, I think it would provide a good baseline for for, for future research. And um, what about the accessibility? I mean, because it it sounds like you have a big complaint about about the 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 uh, inaccessibility of the case files, um, and well, I guess I'm asking, what good are they? Well, you know, it's interesting is when you watch Hangar One, they show this big warehouse with all of their files and carts wheeling up and down the aisle as they gather different documents to to portray on the show. 
and, and to me, it reminds me of that big warehouse in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, where they cart, they put the Ark in and it's lost forever. You know, let's be honest here. Um, Hangar One doesn't, you know, Hangar One doesn't exist. All of those case files are have been scanned. Um, but they're sitting in my file cabinet right here. Hangar One is in my file cabinet. So I have all the case files here. Everything MUFON scanned, scanned all their, their paper case files over the last 40-something years. All of the new data they collect is primarily online. I'm sure they're, they're now collecting a lot of it electronically. So really, the, all of the case files, when we talk about the case files, we're talking about a combination of historical data plus current data. And that really should all be made available publicly or to any, any researcher that, that wants to use it. What's their excuse not to make it available? I don't, I don't know if it's an excuse as much as is they'll see it as a missed opportunity for, for revenue generation. So if we can find a way to monetize it, that makes it a commercial organization, not a research organization. Correct. And you feel that's what MUFON's trying to be? Now, in terms of their public events, I've noticed a tendency to get speakers who are, shall we say, less credible, but maybe more adept at attracting large crowds in recent years. So is that part of it, that in order for this organization to grow and its membership is not really any larger than it was many years ago, they have to go to extremes? Well, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, who's a popular draw to a conference? Uh, we have Stanton Freeman. We have Linda Moulton Howe. We have the same old cast of characters that that make the rounds of all these UFO conferences because they have, they have folks out there that, that are fans of them and people that like to come and hear them speak. That's great. So that's great. So you go and you go to this MUFON conference and you hear the same thing that you've heard over the last 10 years. Where's the new research? Where, where are these you know popular presenters? Where, what are they doing lately besides pushing their latest book or pushing their latest website? You know, it, it's, it's really problematic because a, a symposium, like the MUFON symposium, is supposed to be about research. It's not supposed to be about popularity. It's not, trying to, it's not supposed to be about drawing crowds. Why should they care how many people attend an event other than generating revenue for them? So I think the bottom line is that a symposium, a scientific symposium, should be about quality research, quality presentation, quality data. And you're, you're not going to find that in a MUFON symposium. Well, I was... I was uh collected several of the symposium booklets, I mean, you know, many of the, the, the years that I missed, uh, mostly looking for the articles and presentations on the Cash Landrum case. And I was very, um, very much impressed with the older symposium booklets. And it seemed that there were, uh, each year, there were major presentations made based on casework and research and papers. And based on the lineup I see now, it just seems to be what you were saying, a, a listing of uh, well, quite often it's it's uh, TV favorites. It's like having all the movie stars there, and we're not going to worry about the content. We've got more to come with James Carrion. Our guest co-host is Kurt Collins. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. By now, you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins. But did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your products and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. There's a man named Dr. Joel Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Visit brightsideben.com and listen to Doc Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join the Brightside Ben team. Go to brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
James Carrion is with us this week. He's author of The Rosetta's Deception and the forthcoming second edition, and also of The Roswell Deception. James, when is the updated second edition of Rosetta Deception coming out? Well, I'm, I'm working on it pretty steadily. I'm, I'm expecting, uh, I would think, probably by the end of summer, it, it'll be released. And the Roswell book? Uh, Roswell is still going to be a ways off. I have gathered a, a significant amount of data, but I, I haven't uh, yet coalesced that into some form that can even be called a book. So I would say that's that's still uh, still a future project, maybe probably into the end of next year. Is this a series? How, how far are you going to continue this? Is this an ongoing examination of uh, intelligence in the UFO uh, field? I don't know if it's going to be ongoing. I think uh, again, I'm limiting my time frame to between late 1945 and summer of 1947. So it really just covers those four major events. And re- what my real goal here is to show that, you know, how deeply involved in the intelligence agencies were, and for good reasons, right? Because we had a new enemy that we were facing. We had just come off World War II, millions of people dead. And the last thing we wanted was another world conflict. So I don't don't think a lot of folks understand the level of fear back in 1946 about whether or not we were going to be thrown into a a third world war and that there were some very intelligent people with some very interesting skill sets that put those, those skills together to avoid another conflict. And I think that's probably what this is, what this probably boils down to. So I'm going to focus in that area. I'm going to do as much research as I can and and continue to document that. If I push past that boundary at a future date, I really can't say. And remind us again on the, the Roswell deception. Uh, other than Roswell, and I think you mentioned Maury Island, what are the cases that you think uh, connect with that program in that era? Uh, for sure, Kenneth Arnold. I'm sure Kenneth Arnold had a lot to do with it. And and of course, I, I don't even, I'm sure there's a lot of little cases that pop up in the media that are going to be related to to those four cases uh, that are, that a lot of them haven't gotten big press, but I will, I will be including some of those as well. If there's any particular fact or supposition about Roswell that you think has been misinterpreted, and I realize your research isn't finished and this answer may change or not be there. What do you think it is? I think it really boils down to it being a human deception operation. You know, I think that those folks that originally perpetrated that deception are long gone, but the modern day versions of those characters uh, in the form of the intelligence agencies have an ongoing interest to perpetuate the myth around Roswell. It's been 40, you know, over, over you know, 70 years here. How do you come out to the public now and tell them, hey, that was all based on a lie. It was based on a human deception. Because what's happened since then? We have the Air Force coming out with their studies saying Roswell was crash dummies. Roswell was, uh, you know, a project mogul. So who's going to be called the task for that? Did the Air Force lie about that? Were they really covering up? what was not an alien event, but a human deception operation. I mean, there's some, there's some big questions here that if, if it was revealed publicly, if, if, you know, if these folks actually came forward and say, Hey, you caught us, you know, we did this, this would trigger some major congressional investigations because what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a whole, uh, a whole modern myth that was created here, uh, a whole industry, part of Americana. That's, you know, as, as much of part of us as apple pie is. So there, these are some serious questions. So I don't think that, you know, UFO or, or, or disclosure is going to come in the form of we've been visited. 
But I think UFO disclosure would first be, hey, we perpetrated this as a deception, and uh, you know, there's going to be fallout related to that. I have another uh, question from one of our listeners. Uh, Open-minded Earthling actually had two questions about the UFO stories appearing in newspapers, and it seems to be asking about the manipulation of them. So, and I know you're, you'd be familiar with uh, Mockingbird, which came later. But uh, so, what about the um, what about the intelligence community's manipulation of the stories in the news? Well, there's been a long time involvement, a long time interest. And uh, actually, this, this goes all the way back to World War II. The British were the first to come up with these methods, and they used them extensively during World War II, even on American soil. If you read my, my book, The Roswell Deception, I, I talk about uh, the British organization called British Security Coordination and how they infiltrated American uh, political groups, they infiltrated the media, when they wanted to push out a rumor, they had some very interesting ways that they could do that using their contacts uh, in newspapers and radio and so on. They were masters of manipulation and masters of deception. And during that time, obviously, it was because they were confronting a, a, a superior military force. In terms of the Germans, they were threatened with their own survival. So it makes sense, right? When you're really desperate, uh, you're going to use desperate measures. But they fine-tune those, those skills and those are, those are very much in use today, uh, and I'm sure that media manipulation is probably the first class you take when you're, when you're recruited by the CIA. And do you feel that, I read this in history, but I've gotten, gotten the feeling that, that, that either they recruited agents or maybe agents were in place within the news media. And, and I was wondering if you had definite examples of that or um, what your opinion on that was. Sure. Well, it's not just that they didn't even have to recruit some of these guys. I mean, remember, we're talking about the Cold War, and uh, back in 1946 to 47, there were some very staunch anti-communists that were already in media, and and they volunteered their time and they volunteered their newspapers. So whatever it took to 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 beat the communist. So they didn't even have to go out and actually do a lot of recruiting in those early days. Nowadays, may, maybe it's a little different, but you know, there's still a lot of patriotic Americans, and I'm sure that there are media moguls out there that lend their hand uh, because they see it as their patriotic duty. Now, this is about the end of this segment, but I wanted to ask you quickly here. Do we see today the same kind of attitude that we had when everyone was a communist who disagreed with you back in the 50s? Well, you know, interesting. That's an interesting question because we're actually seeing, if you read the news, a resurgence of some of that same Cold War mentality. I mean, think about what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine and the Crimea and you start seeing some interesting things pop up in the news. All of a sudden, we have Russian submarines that mysteriously surface off the coast of Sweden. Uh, we have the, the shooting down of a, of a civilian airliner over the Ukraine. You know, what, what prompted that? Uh, we're seeing this, this tit-for-tat uh, in the media uh, as far as what Russia's, in, Russia's intentions are. Are they part of the world community or not? Uh, or are they becoming a foe that we have to worry about again? We, we just just look at all the stories that have come out with about Russian bombers that ha have to be escorted outside of Swedish airspace or, or uh, you know, these different borders in Europe, and it starts to see, seem very much like the Cold War again. So if there if that's happening in the media, there's a lot going on in the intelligence field that we don't know about. Uh, there's a lot of forces at play here. James Carrion, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your work. Sure. 
Um, I have two blogs. Uh, one's called followthemagicthread.blogspot.com. That's more geared towards somebody who has an interest in ufology. And my other blog is called the rosettadeception.blogspot.com that has to do with more of the Cold War research. Kurt, do you have a website people can check out? Blue Blurry Lines. It's primarily on the Cash Lantern case, but uh, lots of other UFO cases uh, will be found there. And, of course, uh, do uh, occasional updates to the Jim Mosley website, jimmosley.com. You can find us on Twitter, where we're known as the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Follow us, neighbors. Maybe we'll follow you. And we have that contest running to give away a free one-year subscription to the Paracast Plus. It's where you get the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, video content coming, the ad-free version of the show, so much more. Check out plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com to become a member. If you want to enter the contest, go to the thread at our forum at forum.theparacast.com. We have a place there that is called Paracast Plus Membership Gift. Tell us why you think you should have a membership, a free membership to the Paracast Plus, and we'll consider it. And remember, too, if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus for one year or more, it's $50 for the year, $175 for five years. We give you a free copy of Chris O'Brien's Stalking the Tricksters. Chris will be back next week. And we're going to have a lot more to say about this show and other stuff on After the Paracast this week. Kurt, thanks for filling in. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, I'm so sorry for the circumstances, but glad to be able to help out. James, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Kurt. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.